Welcome to the You, Me and the GP radio show, a health exercise and nutrition show for over 40s who want to get back to their best. Discover how to keep yourself fit, healthy and full of energy. Each week, your hosts Rich Clark and Dr. Mark Daniels will answer your questions and interview special guests. Rich Clark is an exercise scientist and nutritionist who helps over 40s thrive, not just survive in today's busy world. Dr. Mark Daniels is a practicing GP with 25 years experience. He's had notable success with his patients using simple dietary changes rather than medication to provide improvements. Living in Wales with their families, they see the effect poor health has on people on a daily basis and how easily it can be turned around. Sit back and enjoy our tips and advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of You, Me and the GP. I'm here with uh, Dr. Mark and we have a special guest. I've been talking and talking about this for a while, but finally we've managed to get our diaries together. We've got Marilyn Hawkins. Marilyn, how are you? Very well, thanks, Rich. Thanks for coming along today. Uh, Do you want to tell people kind of who you are and a bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I work with an organisation called Lighter Life, which is a weight management organisation. I've been with them for over eight years, and I'm predominantly a weight management counsellor. So it's not just about weight loss, it's about the reasons why we put the weight on in the first place. Um, So it's helping people maintain weight loss. Everybody can lose weight, but maintaining it seems to be the challenge that most people face. Fantastic. So today uh, we're going to get Marilyn, Mark, you and I, we're going to try and kind of prize as much of uh, her free little tips and uh, tricks out of her that help people to overcome these little kind of barriers and demons and things. How's things down there with you, Mark? Ah, Good. Uh, Everything's good for me at the moment. Nothing, nothing spectacular in you, but it all's ticking along all right. Play golf. Play golf this morning. Yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, I play golf this morning. I did work as well. I'm doing a. I'm doing another mad challenge. I'm doing a uh, ten thousand kettlebell swings in twenty workouts. So that's five hundred to go. Wow. So wow. <laughs> Fair play. Where do you get these things from? Uh, uh, this one. I mean, you, this is not a recommended website by any means, but it was T Nation. It was this one. Yeah, yeah, it's good. All some good stuff comes out of Teen Nation. It's all good. So yeah, with me, mate, just taking over. It was the Ghoul School Disco last night. So uh, Louis was all dressed up as a um, a werewolf uh, last night. So that was good fun. And this afternoon, I've got the afternoon off after we've recorded uh, a couple of episodes here, and I'm going climbing and the joke shop. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, the life. I've just, got, I've just got this vision of you strutting your stuff at a disco. Oh, mate, mate, you know, it's uh, the big, the big uh, werewolf I was, but uh, yeah, all good. So, without further ado, then, Marilyn, can you tell me um, about your background and the things that kind of led you to becoming good at what you're good at? Okay, um, I've been a counsellor for probably about 30 years now, um, helping people with a range of addictions, and I was also a management consultant for probably the most of that time as well, um, helping people address communication issues, um, using NLP, using cognitive behaviour therapy to help them understand why they operate in the way they operate in the workplace, and a lot of that transfers then across into their personal lives as well which took me into lighter life, really. I lost weight with them 11 years ago, 
having always lost weight but never been able to maintain it very well. Um, but Lighter Life helped me do that. Good. So you have, uh, as well as uh, the experience, you have a personal success story uh, as well to, yeah. to go with it. Yeah. So coming then into the Lighter Life uh, phase of things, tell me kind of, obviously Mark and I have discussed Lighter Life and you know, Mark sees the stickier end of it because he only sees the people who either are failing and repeaters mm. because the long-term success stories wouldn't probably end up back at their GPs because they're kind of all off and okay. But, um, you know, we can discuss the ways and what falls of ketosis and that sort of strategy and things like that. And as I say, I'm an advocate of it at the right times for the right people. And you know it's all about getting people onto food yeah. after they've been on these different programs. So how... Did like the life kind of shape your journey? I think what Light of Life made me do was actually use my own counselling strategies in the sense that we all know how to eat sensibly, um, or we think we do, but it's actually doing it that makes the difference. Um, Light of Life is one of the few programmes around that actually help you reintroduce food in a nutritional way, which is how you and I got to, to work together. Um, it's not about people staying on the programme forever um, and it's about understanding why we turn to food. We're almost hotwired from being a child, a little child at 18 months old is learning to walk and falls over. The first thing we do is rub it better and give it something to eat. So we set at a very early age the fact that we're upset that we then start to eat something because it makes us feel better. It doesn't actually make us feel better. What makes us feel better is the fact that somebody spends some time talking to us about our hurt and our upset. But it becomes a routine for us. Um, you know, kids doing, doing the exams this year, so many of my clients who understand what we do still did the fact that if they didn't have good results, then we'll have a takeaway tonight. If they had good results, then we'll go out for a meal. And it's all about food mm. rather mm. than food as fuel. It's about food for every other reason. Yeah. And uh, the food reward thing is really hardwired, as you say, isn't yeah. it? Uh, now, over the years, I've dealt with not just Marilyn, but other like the life uh, counsellors as well. And not everybody has equal success, Marilyn. And I think the reason why you're kind of, well, you've outlasted, and we, can, we don't go into all that, but... You've outlasted and you have multiple areas and you have a massive following. The counselling really has shone through as being the kind of predominant yeah. uh, modality which people need to focus on. So with like the life kind of bringing all that, and I've seen it because I've learned it through you as well, and we've kind of been on this journey, as you say, together for quite a long time working together now then. You know, people are coming in thinking they need a, a diet plan, but actually, in reality, they need a counsellor. And like the life with you, not necessarily with everybody else, but like the life is a great program. It does address a lot of these issues. But like the life with you in particular is kind of allowing them to come in nice and softly into like a nice weight loss environment with other ladies and gents or whatever, if that's the case. But in reality, they're having a therapy yes, session. Yeah. And a lot of people are a bit afraid to just go head on into that. Yeah, very often clients come in. I don't think anybody comes into the programme looking for the counselling side of it. They no. come in looking for magic powder. 
Um, and it's sometimes only when they've initially lost their weight and started to regain it, which is probably where Mark sees them when they feel they've failed. Yeah, they want to resign to you then, and you have to get permission again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dependent on medications and so forth. Not everybody needs to, to see GPs. But it's the second time round of doing something like our programme that they suddenly click into the fact it's what's discussed in group. Um, it's what makes them turn to food. And the fridge hasn't got the answers. So, obviously it's difficult to see because you've dealt with so many different ladies over the years. Mark, feel free to obviously chirp in here. I'm kind of obviously, I know, kind of getting on, on one a bit here. But it's fine, don't worry, you carry on. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. So, over the years, Marlon, you've seen thousands and thousands of, of, of and I say women because it is, is, is a lot of women that you see, same as who I see, it's a lot of the girls, the men they're a bit proud and a bit stubborn and they, they don't want to admit they've got a problem until they really have got a problem. But but I think the thing with men that I find is that they treat the whole process of weight loss as a task and they're very task-focused. So they do what they're supposed to do and they're very successful. Mm. I have very few male clients who come back to the programme. Mm. They get it the first time. They yes. recognise that they've, their takeaways and their weekends away with the boys needs to be managed. Mm. And they take on board the fact they can pull it back before they start those heavy weekends. So mm. they've nothing to deal with at the end of it. Yeah. And they work at it in a different way to the girls, definitely. Good. Not better, different. <laughs> yeah. Um, and why do you think then women would be the mainstay of our customers just going off on a tangent now? Probably I because don't I don't understand at all. <laughs> women have been pushed by the media into unrealistic uh, visions, ideals of what they should be, how they should look, how they should behave, what they should do, um, and they've most most of my clients certainly in any addiction counselling that I do have tried everything else before they come to me. And we, I'm very much a last resort because, as you said, most people don't want to admit they need therapy. Mm. Um, mm. So it's it's getting them to understand why they feel they're now ready to do something as drastic as that possibly. Yeah. And, and it, it's stigmatised and people think it's drastic, but in reality it's, it's not because, you know, we train all the other muscles in our body, but yet we think, oh, no, I'm a weirdo, there's something wrong with me if I need to actually train my brain. And I... Just I've often said to people, it's it's personal training for your brain. Yes. Because you need to learn how to control that bugger because it's really powerful. And if it starts getting out of control, then uh, you, you you'll be in trouble. So. I mean, the thing for me, overeating isn't the problem. It's why we do it is the problem, and and it's not necessarily overeating. It's smoking. It's drinking to excess. It's it's anything to excess mm. really, mm. because life needs to be about moderation. Yeah. Okay. I, I, it's strange. I'm going to butt in for a second. Yeah, great. There's more men obese in Britain than there are women, right? Oh. That's you know a fact. But more women go to diet clubs than the men. A lot of men don't even see themselves as being fat. I see these blokes with huge, great beard boys, and they think they're yes. honest. And it's weird. Women really. Well, I think women get if they're overweight, but men often don't get if they're overweight. You don't need, oh, even morbidly obese. A lot of men don't get it. No, because I think they see that uh, their size as almost a masculine thing. Yeah. They mm. can carry it, so mm. they reckon. Mm. Um, I've been with a guy before, can't mention no names or whatever, and, you know, he's a big chap or whatever, and he said, oh, have you seen so-and-so, so-and-so recently? 
And I said, no. He said, you should see the size gone on him. <laughs> and, like, honest to God, people don't see it in themselves. People, it's, it's I don't know, it's like delusional or, or whatever it is, but it's a funny thing, and I'm sure somebody could explain it. There's a, there's a, something, it's called something or whatever, but we definitely don't see things as they are. You know, when we look in that mirror, we convince ourselves that, that oh, it's all right, I'm, I'm doing all right or whatever. But So you mentioned a bit earlier on, Marilyn, as well. Um, you, Can I back in? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 go on. It, it's more difficult for me, for, for the listeners. I'm, I'm not actually in the same room as the other two, so it's slightly more difficult. That's why I'm not saying so much. Uh, and now I've forgotten what I was going to say. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, carry on. I've forgotten what I was going to say. Okay. Mar- Marilyn mentioned earlier on um, about she could would encourage people to, if they're going to live life, which is what people want to do, the reality of the situation is as much as I would love the whole world to be cutting rabbits and all the rest of it, the reality is people want to have their cake and eat it. Now, ma- that's what Marilyn teaches and I kind of try and get follow that theme across then with their clients when they come over to me and do a bit of exercise and stuff. And it's being able to get the balance right between the frequency of these stag do's, nights out, birthday parties and things like that, and the frequency of the healthy food. And it's just tipping the balance sort of back in their favour sort of thing. So it's nice to have the approach where it's not a matter of, oh, you've got to eat this and you've got to eat that. Because people have to live a life, Marilyn, don't they? Yeah, and I think one of the key things that stood out for me when I did the programme was that they were prepared to spend as much time with me on the management side to maintain my weight loss as they were on getting the weight off. Hmm. Um, So at the end of our management programme, my aim is for our clients to have almost three lists of foods in their heads, their everyday staple list, which is where I refer them to your menu plans because they fit in with what I talk about nutritionally. So they've got their everyday staples, they know they can eat happily, freely, and their weight doesn't budge. A middle list of foods that are possibly going out foods. They're not treats, because I don't like the word treats for food. It's mm-hmm. it's a bit of a thing for me. Um, it's If you have them when you go out, you enjoy it. Somebody else portion controls it. You can forget about it. And the longer we leave between having those types of foods, very often when we do taste it, we go, don't know what it was all about, really. But we've had the opportunity. And then a final list of foods where we recognise, you know what, they actually don't work for me. Either physically they bloat, um, they're too slow processed through my system, I may feel fine when I eat them and it's two hours later that I get heartburn or indigestion. There's enough foods in the first list, we don't need to eat out of that third list. Mm. So it's about giving them the opportunity to experiment while the system is very clean and the body tells them, this is good, this isn't so good. Mm. Um, and that's how they can maintain it because they understand if a couple of pounds goes on, simply thinking about what they've eaten that week, they can take it out and the weight goes off. They don't mm. need to use food packs. Okay. Great. So that, as you see, as a strategy and an approach for me, I think it's, it's normal, the old feast and famine almost. Mm. Uh, between having a bit of what you like and, and kind of pulling yourself back and, and things like that. So I wanted to just um, mention that. Now, again, hard to summarise, but I'm sure you'd have, a, have a, an answer. What are the reasons why, what are the common ways that people have given you over the years that they come off once they've 
once they lapse and relapse, basically, why are people in your experience dropping all the weight? And we've had some great success stories over the years. Now, me and you can think of, you know, well, you can think of 50, mm. I can think of five. They've lost it all. And then they've gone back. What is the most common why why people don't maintain it in the long run? For a number of clients who lose a lot of weight in a very short space of time, it's the fact they lose their identity. If they've carried their weight for a number of years, they have become the large one who sits in the corner. They're described by other people as, oh, you know, I mean, she's the big girl. Um, and when their weight comes off, they get a lot more attention than when they were larger um, because people are constantly commenting about how good they look and there's an expectation they feel from other people. So then there the is... The pressure, a, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, yes. And then it's the fear of, my God, what if I put anything back on again? They'll all be looking at me. Mm. Um, so they put a lot of pressure on themselves. For a lot of them who put it back on, it's down to not being ready to take responsibility for the food choices. Um, they see... The, the food packs almost as well if it goes on I can go back on packs um, it's like use, a band-aid or whatever yes, you want yeah. to call it right and I try to to point out to them that I'm very rarely a, not a low is not quite the right word but I don't encourage clients to come back and do what we class as a total program coming away from food completely I would always suggest once they've been back into food to maintain that relationship and to, to get into a, a good routine with planning that one meal a day, enjoying it, getting a better relationship with food, mm. um, getting a slower weight loss the second time round, but one that they can understand and maintain. Mm. Um, so, so when they come back and ask you for the, the same process, let's go full deep abstinence again and full ketosis, you're like, well, no, it's not meant to be used like that. So you have these awkward and uncomfortable conversations with people who address the issues. Yeah. Good. Yeah, because I need... But my aim is for people to understand why they do it. And, and we eat off four key emotions. We eat when we're happy, mad, sad and glad. Um, so and they are the ways that, that people set people back. Are they yeah. sort of right? What was that again? Happy, mad, sad and glad. Right. So, and underneath each of those four words, there are hundreds and thousands of words that for individuals describe each of those emotions. And our emotions are on a spectrum between feeling slightly ticked off to getting all the way through to being full-blown mad. And interestingly, when we're mad and angry and upset, we normally reach for something hard and crunchy because what we really want to do is chew the heads off. But we're too civilised to do that, so we do the next best thing and go for something hard, crunchy that we can really dig our teeth into. Wow, If we're looking for um, soft, squishy-type foods, then that's usually because we're looking for some type of recognition, we're looking for a hug, we're looking for someone to say well done, I do care, you're doing a good job. And when we don't get that, we'll have something soft and squishy. So emotions are triggering the, the lapses and the relapses and then people are slipping back down the slope when they're putting on that five stone, for example, or more. I've got a chap down to 30 stone now, got trying to arrest his soul, he's not with us anymore. He was 40-odd stone, got him down to 30 and then he put all the weight back on now. What advice can you give people out there? Now, obviously, you know, you're here today because I want people to realise they, they, you know, trying to do this on your own is like trying to build a house when you're not a builder on your own. Yeah. It's just, you know, you'd be really kind of, you know, misadvising. If you did end up with a house at the end of it, it's probably not going to be that. The foundation's yeah, going to be Yeah, and it would take too long to do and it's just not efficient. So for the sake of 
you know, paying for a coach, this gets this process going faster, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, can, I now see clients purely for to come to group um, because it's the group support that makes a difference of people recognising they're not odd in the way that they use food or manage their emotions with food. So I have clients who come and join the, the Lighter Life groups mm. just to get a better understanding of what they do and why they do it. Um, so they don't have to have all the like life diet. They can just yeah. come and do all the education and mm-hmm. uh, the program and stuff like that. Yeah, and we push now the fast program for people who are looking to maintain their weight um, because two days a week they would use four food packs and be guaranteed their 600 calories a day nutritionally mm. um, in a simple way rather than trying to cook small portions of things. Um, and if they do that on, all, on non-consecutive days, we find that's quite successful. But it's about the sensible eating on the five days when they're not fasting, that is the more important part, which is again is where I refer them to your site to look at nutritional menus for right. ideas and suggestions. So, can I ask something, Al? Of course you can. Yeah. Okay. When people, you get people and they lose all the weight, and obviously they're in ketosis, what happens? How do you guide them? Because um, obviously everything's shut down. When you're in ketosis on 600 calories or whatever, everything shuts down, so but their metabolic rate is much, much lower. And obviously, if they just went back to normal eating, they pile the weight back on. That's what often happens with people. Yeah. But what, how do you manage them from that 600 calories to normal eating? That's the bit I'm really interested in. The first five weeks of going into the management program, we build their calorific intake up to 850 a day, 1,000 a day. And it's only at week five of our management program where we start to introduce higher carb foods. Five weeks post-ketosis, right? yes. yes. Yeah. And, and it can be longer for some clients. They may take... 10 weeks before they want to start to even look at introducing higher carbs. Plus you integrate the exercise at the same time and usually don't they, yeah. as, they, as they're coming on to food. Yeah, that's when I usually sort of talk to them about going to see Richard to get some exercise routines in where they can broaden. The, the benefits of exercise for the majority of my clients is who haven't exercised much in the past is when the weight's gone, they realise they do have the capacity to move in a different way. Um, and by opening their eyes to exercise, it also allows them to eat in a slightly different way to maintain their weight loss. We know that if they lost six stone with us, rather than eating on 1250 calories to maintain that weight loss, they probably need to eat on about 1,000, 1,100 a day to maintain um, because of the rapid weight loss. Whereas if they exercise, they can still have their 1250, 1300 calories a day and keep their food choices broader and wider. Because mm-hmm. it's not about deprivation. It's about choice. You know, people choose to... Nobody forces us to eat takeaways or food that doesn't do us any good. We choose to do that. So it's them having the understanding week by week as to what works and what doesn't work for them, really. Does that make sense, Mark? Yeah, it makes sense. What I'm interested in also is... I mean, I eat... I don't eat a ketotic diet, but I quite a low carb, low carbohydrate diet. Oh. What about the lifestyle? Is I mean, it's based around the uh, it's, it's low carbohydrate ketosis. But what about if you had you know a, a reasonable amount of calories and were ketotic? I mean, you still lose weight, you see. So I mean, I, I some people just can't do the sort of you know it's, it's miserable eating six hundred calories a day, whatever. And quite a lot of people lose weight by eating a reasonable amount of calories. But being ketotic as well. I mean, I, I actually prefer that. That's what I use with, with sort of 
my patients. I had someone to do that rather than to be the very low, low calorie diets. And they lose weight. I mean, we had quite a lot of success, especially diabetics with a lot of success with mm. using low, low carbohydrate, but high fat, moderate protein diets. I mean, they're, they're, it's not like people won't, won't do them unless they're really motivated, whereas they will take shakes, I suppose. Yeah, but I think for me, even with, with your diabetic clients, it's about the reasons why they go for those types of foods. Sure. And that's where the counselling really does make a difference for people, is getting that understanding of it's when I have a conversation with that person, I get agitated, I come off the phone and I want to eat something. Wow, that's a real light bulb moment as to how often do I do that and who else do I react with in the same way with and what type of foods do I go for? So why am I not having the conversation with that person so I don't have the urge to go and eat something? So it's not necessarily about the low calorific intake as far as I'm concerned that's a means to an end it's not even about the food it's not about the food overeating isn't the problem it's why they do it is the problem that's what Marilyn's here to talk about today is uh, that the fact that I have to hold my hands up sometimes and say I can't help this person because I can give them all the information in the world they know it they could tell it to me these people can often reel off every diet under the sun they could tell you what to eat to be healthy they could tell you all your good fats and proteins and all this stuff they can't do it they can't, they can't see things through, but they might do it for a week or, or, or a month or whatever, but they can't maintain that change for, 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 for a long term. And they need support to, to through, through the process of change. And, and I suppose that's, again, why I'm here today is to encourage people to get support, to help them change and expedite the whole process. You can take years to do it if you want to do it on your own, but if you want to do it quickly, you need to get experts like Mark to test your blood, like me to do your exercise, like Marilyn to help you. Uh, with, with your, your your kind of uh, mindset and, and the reasons and then why not why's and what falls and someone to help you with all different things but going back Marilyn what um, tip would you give to people then when they're in that state of I'm just about to eat a horse because I fasted for a couple of hours too long and then I got a bit stressed or whatever it is or I've had some good news and I've, I've, I've just made five grand and I want to go out for a big slap up meal. What, how do I, what do I do to sort of, you know, in that the position? Choice, it's about most of us, most of the clients that I see operate on instant gratification. Mm. They're upset, they're happy, they want it, they want it now. They don't want to think about it. So one of the things is to put that interrupt in. We, I use a, a complete addiction model where we have impulses and actions. Um, for most clients who have any addiction, those two circles are joined together. And what I'm trying to do is to get them to separate those two circles so there's a gap in between where they can ask themselves the question, how will I feel in, in 20 minutes' time or two hours' time? Will that have been a good choice? And if it's not a good choice, what's a better option for me? So we recognise we'll always have the impulses, but we can change our actions and there may be some days when we go, you know what, I'm doing it. Absolutely fine. Don't write the day off. Enjoy it. But the following day, you get back on whatever your plan is. And what common strategies would you recommend? What processes would you try to reattach to the emotion? Do you try to attach different things? Like people say, oh, I throw a ball against the wall ten times if I feel like I'm going to... And do... Yeah. Or I go and watch... Something I go and look at my family photos or just. Can, can I tell you what, what I do? Yeah, go on. Hammer. On, 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 all, on all the things that people do, I just ask them what they go for. It's either the fridge or it's the biscuit barrel or it's chocolate. Or Beer or wine. I, or I, 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 I tend to keep it in one place 
whatever their, their, their addiction is, their biscuits or their whatever, I, I put, tell them to put a label on it, come back in five minutes. Yes, that's and, a good and one. And then they, 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 they go away for five minutes. They're not allowed to eat it for five minutes. And most of the time, they don't want to, they don't come back. Well, some of them do, obviously, but it does seem to work. It's just, it's just as Marilyn said, it's an interrupt. So what have you, what are good interrupts over the years have you noticed, Marilyn, uh, other than obviously a wet fish across the face, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? Um, with those who've been successful, what I suggest they do, a lot of clients want to use their before photographs as a reminder. Ah, I've got people doing this at the moment, yeah. And I strongly advocate they don't use that. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rich. Uh, no, I got two, um, two of my clients, they got skinny boards in the house and they got photos up and I will be skinny and all this. Mm. They're youngsters, they're in their 20s or whatever, you know. The problem so with that I didn't like, tell them to do it, but they do it. The problem is if they put their before photograph up, it's very much a case of as things start to change, lack of exercise, going back to food, whatever it might be, they're still not as bad as that. So it's okay. It's almost permission because I'm not that big so I can carry on a little right. bit longer. Okay. Whereas if they have a photograph of them doing something that they absolutely loved, wearing something they felt a million dollars in, then it's simply a case of, is eating this going to make me feel like that? So No, it's not. So right, so no photos. Right, so what, what, are good, what are good ones? Well, photographs, as I say, of them physically doing something that that they can aspire um, to do it again so yeah. like walking at the top of the mountain that they walked to once yeah. and they got the photo that day where they looked thin and they looked right so a, a photo of them in good shape that they're yes. aspiring to get to as opposed to a negative motivation to kind of yeah. brilliant good good anything uh, whatever um, kind of strategies the, a chain across the fridge <laughs> the other thing is I've got a couple of clients who we talk quite a lot about grayling which Mark will know far more than I do, but it, we know it's an appetite enhanced, appetite suppressant, and some of the girls have decided to call it their gremlin. Mm. Um, so they have pictures of gremlins on particular cupboards with a big red cross through, so they're not feeding their gremlin. They're not going to go back to using foods mm. that they recognise aren't helpful for them. You are like not human when you're in that mindset, and you know, I, feel, I feel it, you know? Yeah. I've got a male client who says my voice is in his fridge. Um, he'll have a, a you know him. Um, he's worked with you as well. He's he's sort of quite a stressful job, and he'll go to the gym after work and r ride home on his bike and get in, and he's still stressed and tense. And he opens his fridge door, and apparently I'm sat in there saying, "And how will this help?" <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that to him, but that's his interpretation, and it makes him stop and think twice. So good, good. And you and like you've got to have a laugh with these yeah. things, and you've got to kind of just. Have a bit of fun with it and laugh at yourself because I, I say this quite a lot and uh, we all suffer the human condition and it's a terrible affliction and, um, you know, if you let it, it will kind of beat you down or whatever. So, yeah. Um, okay, great. Let me see on my sheet what have I got here. So a lot of it comes from being afraid and scared and that fear is kind of um, when people are at the top of the mountain, they're afraid of having to go back down again sort of analogy so it's kind of uh, realizing for a lot of people that when they're up the top from my perspective when they're at the top of the mountain is trying to as you say get them to realize that they are there and they're never going to fall all the way back down now they just have to work in that upper kind of zone as it were and you've got degrees of success and they're at a very high degree of success when they've lost 10 stones so yeah, I mean, it's... one of the things that I try and get them to understand is that they're not maintaining that 10-stone weight loss. They're no. maintaining a 5, 
four or five pound weight loss. Yeah. Because when it gets to five pound, that's when I would really like them to stop and think about, so what am I doing differently? Mm. What am I having more of this week? Am I having enough? Because a lot of my female clients don't eat enough. Yeah. They'd all, they, that's the ones that I see. They are, pardon my friends, they're shit scared to do anything. Mm. They, 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 they only know how that like life works and they come into you like junkies trying to get, oh, can I, you know, I'm going to have packs and you're just like, well, hang on. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you can't always have packs because I'm not here to feed your, yeah. your issues. I'm here to help you to, to, to address them and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's very common that people, when they do get to the, that, that point of a big success, that they're in a really weird mindset and a really, like, emotionally and hard work and pain in the ass. It's really, isn't it? It's hard to, to deal with them. And I'm like, Marilyn, quick, help me. <laughs> Marlon's good at dealing with pains in the asses, guys. Uh, much better than me. So, okay, so the fear and all that sort of stuff, and we've got the whys and the what fors, and we've got some tips and things that can maybe stop people now in their tracks where they get a bit emotional and all, and we know not to use uh, fat folk dose to motivate us. One of the things that works for a number of clients, particularly the, the female clients, is to have as their screensaver on their phones a photograph of an outfit they want to get into. Um, or them, again, in a good particular place, whether that was physical exercise or an outfit or an event or whatever, because mm. um, when they're out with friends, they, the sort of common thing is, oh, I think that was my phone, when decisions are being made about what are we going to eat. So they check their phone and go, actually, I don't think I'm hungry yet. I'm hungry. Salad, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Double salad. So it just sort of pulls them back in social situations. It's, it's triggers. Quite fast, yeah. It's really important to have those... Uh, that's another cracking uh, little uh, tip there. So, Mark, put a picture on your phone when you was in a nice frock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I've got one, though. Good man, I know you are. I, I actually got stopped by the police once in a nurse's uniform collecting money on a red race. <laughs> oh. On, 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 on the Mumbles Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's your story. Yeah, that's <laughs> your version of events, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. So, uh, finally then, before we go, we, we're having a good one here today, just to go. So, Marilyn, I know with you, I always balls this up. I just, you know, I am what I am, and I just sort of speak, you know, a bit kind of uh, faster than I think sometimes. But Marilyn shouts at me because I use the wrong words sometimes, and how important <laughs> words are, and I'll say, don't have your treats, or, 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 or whatever, but, you know, Tell everybody why uh, the words are so vital. Because I know how vital they are, but I still am not into the... And that's why the group work is so important. And and the girls pick themselves up when they use particular words. Terminology, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. because it's... The minute we start telling ourselves we can't, we mustn't, we shouldn't be doing something... We, I use a process called transaction analysis, which is about our ego states. Our ego states are about our experiences from parental figures, and they're the ones that give us the, the you must, you should, you have to type messages. And we hear those voices in our heads. When we hear that voice, we go to our child ego state, which is so probably the rebellious... Just don't eat that. Yeah. Right. So the rebellious child kicks in saying, huh, watch me. I'm a grown-up. I can do what I choose. Or our adapted child ego state kicks in, which says well, I better do it because it's rude not to. So instead of using the words, like the, I, I was taught once, oh, I don't know why I remember this, but when you say to somebody, don't forget to lock the door, that's not the right thing to say. You should say, remember to lock the door. 
So it's instead of it's don't forget, yeah. it's remember to. Yes. So it's a, instead of negative to a positive sort of thing. So what positive switch would you put on um, the words instead of you get to a point and you want to eat something and you know necessarily you shouldn't. So instead of saying, you know, something, what, what do you say then? My Why not eat this or? Who says you shouldn't? Who says you shouldn't? Because at the end that. of that question then is, well, it's only me saying I shouldn't. I'm more confused. Who oh, <laughs> Who says you shouldn't? I'm having some deep philosophical chat with myself by the fridge. Like, yeah. Who says you shouldn't? I don't know. Who does say? Because like then think it's yourself. Mad. Right, okay. You know, we know there is... So who says me, I say? Yeah. Right, so you're getting back into that conscious, right? Okay, I'm yeah. back on track now. <laughs> right. Because out of these ego states, there's a parental one which tells us what we must, should and couldn't, shouldn't do. We have our child ego states which are our rebellious child, I'm doing it because I can, who are you to tell me not mm. to. We have our adapted child who does it to please other people, mm. it'll be rude not to. We have our free child who eats for the sheer fun of it. And if we can eat from free child energy when we're managing our weight, that's great because your free child is the type of child who doesn't eat if it's raining and they've not been out playing, they're not hungry. Mm. And as parents, we're frantically trying to feed them because nutritionally they need to eat. But if they've not burnt anything off, they're not hungry. So they will eat on days when they've been very active and they self-regulate. So that's the, en the energy we want to be using. But then we have our adult state, which is about the here and now. It's about the choices I make. So... It's you me get that's... yourself into that adult yeah. state and out of that. Because I often say on my clients are like children and I tell them as well and I have to give them rows and I have to bring them back into things yeah I shouldn't give them rows but you know who says you shouldn't well I don't know but <laughs> maybe the, the law or something the police or whatever giving grown adults rows and rollickings but but they're not taking responsibility I need to snap them out of it sometimes and I need a like some sort of interrupt mm. and uh, sometimes I just get all fired up and I, I know that I have to have awkward and uncomfortable conversations with people ask my job at the end of the day, if I want to just be all fluffy and nice and all airy-fairy and tiptoeing around and stuff. No, it doesn't work. So it's okay for me to give people rows then. You say, give them more rows. No, no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. Because if you give them rows, they go into adapted childhood. Child, right. So I've got to like, kind of come at them and say something philosophical like, so why do you feel like that? And yeah, or like why that. do you want, what's the outcome you're looking for? Mm -hmm. To pull them back to why they decided mm -hmm. they wanted to do this in the first place. Can I bite for a second? Of course you can. I like the, the when I let people talk about um, words used in various ways, I like the difference between could and should. Mm -hmm. Because if someone says, if you say to your teenage daughter, you should tidy your room, you know the reaction you're going to get. If you say, oh, you could tidy your room, it's a total different mindset. Quite, yeah, it feels different. Yeah. You should lose weight is, is, a, is an imperative, whereas you could lose weight is more hopeful. So yes. I, I, whenever people say about the terminology, I always use those two because those two words are so different, even though they mean virtually the same thing. I like it. Well, one's inviting them to make a decision yeah, exactly. for themselves. One feels warm one, one's, one's, and one feels one's, like prickly. Do, do, do you know what I mean? The sentence, say the sentences, and yeah. that's great. That's really good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist that around my, my stepdaughter. <laughs> 18 now. I mean, how, how did you know that she doesn't clean her room, Mark? <laughs> I've, I've got my kids. <laughs> great, great. You know what? It doesn't always work. Great. There we go. Have you got anything, Mark? Anything else you want to ask now? 
No, I think I've asked. I, 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 I mainly listen because it's, it's quite difficult when there's two people in the same room that went away. But I mean, it's, very, it's fascinating. I like the fact that the, the counselling is important because I've always, I mean, life's life to me is people coming to get form side and driving me batty. You know, because they come back, the same people come back time and time again. Obviously, the ones who don't come back time and time again, I don't see. So I have a very skewed uh, opinion of life to life because I only see the repeat offenders, the sort of no hopers. But I'm interested, I, I, I like the idea of the counselling. I think that's a really good idea because people's um, interaction with food is so complex and it's been explained pretty well today. So I'm grateful that I'm sure the listeners will, will have taken a lot in. Thanks. And that is what is different about Marilyn, is she does recognise all these different points within the programme that need extra support and she gets me in when the women are just about to move over onto food and I kind of try to talk to them about the experiences we've had over the years of transitioning people from the packs onto the food like you say where people invariably can bounce their weight and it can blow back up and then we have another transition of getting them onto the exercise and then we have maintenance things so it's a very thought out and a thorough process but the actual whether you're eating bloody Marjorie Dawes' programme, Light the Life, Herbal Life, bloody whatever it is, that is by the by sometimes. It's it's about the person who's who's doing it, Marilyn, isn't it? You know? It's it's about you know, the I could give them anything really. Yeah. And and it's not the food packs that make the difference. The food packs help in the sense that it takes away choice mm. other than do I have a sweet one or a savoury one. And I don't make a fuss about the food packs. You know, I say to some clients who say, Oh, it's it you know, as you said earlier, Mark, it's about deprivation and and it's about if you look at being on the program as deprivation then you're not going to be successful if you look mm. at it as an opportunity to yeah. identify and yeah. learn be things reborn. about yeah. yeah then you're going to be far more um open-minded to understand and some people aren't ready to do the program because it makes them uncomfortable to look at mm. where some of these habits started from mm. you know I, I used to see food as certain foods as a treat because one of my grandmothers who was my fat little fat grandma used to make food wicked and a treat and we won't tell people we've had it. Um, she lived with a very miserable man. I loved my granddad to death, but he was he must have been a miserable man to live with. And she used food as her consolation, mm. you know, looking back retrospectively at it. But it's unpicking all of that and understanding where, where did these beliefs come from? Mm. That food's got the answers. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's nutrition. We need a certain amount and anything more, it's oh. overkill. Yeah, yeah. Food is a big focus and we need to stop the focus being food and take it on to themselves, but they don't want to look at themselves sometimes. But, okay, so coming then to bring it back, we spoke about the group stuff earlier on, man, and I made a quick note. Obviously, some people, you know, they're like, oh my God, I ain't going in a group. They want the one-to-one stuff, so you're available as well, one-to-one. How can people get hold of you to, you know, obviously this is for the South Wales area. Marilyn covers the whole of Swansea, Carmarthenshire, Port Talbot, these sorts of Pembroke, all this area. So it's quite a big uh, region, and if you're in there, you can get to see it, as I say, in one of the groups, or one-to-one. Is that right, right, the one-to-one? I would prefer people come to groups. The groups are no more than 12 people. I usually keep the groups to about 10, because that seems to be a a good number for people to share ideas and experiences. Mm. I can do one-to-ones, but I think people get more benefit from group. Um, And it's a lot more expensive, obviously, than the the group uh, option, sort of thing. So... um, there we go. It makes it manageable for people then. Yes, in the long term, because mm-hmm. it just isn't something you do for a month and then say, "Oh, I'm fixed, great, see you later." Let's be honest. You know, I I've stopped doing, you know, short term programs. It's three, six, or twelve months now, and these are the time frames that people can actually make um, 
permanent change. Yeah, and, and it's a commitment to themselves for 100 days to really focus on, on why they do what they do. Mm. Brilliant. Great. So did you say what your contact details are then? No. What? Give us some details, Marilyn. Where can people find out more about you? Find me on um, the Lighter Life webpage and put in your postcodes and it will give you all my details. Great. Thank you. And Marilyn's details will be under the podcast on the blog as per normal as well. I'll put her phone number on and, and things on her email address or whatever so you can really bother her. Okay, great. And so that's kind of all from me, Mark. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn. Bye. Bye. You, Me and the GP Radio Show is intended for general information purposes and is not meant to diagnose, treat or cure any disease. It is not designed to provide specific advice and anyone with a medical problem should seek the advice from their own doctor. Please note, we accept absolutely no responsibility if you turn into a fitter, stronger, more energetic and all-round better version of yourself. To get the show notes, just head on over to richard-clark.co.uk.